You, 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 you are about to experience Vegas bad boys of podcasting. Fortunately, you are about to hear lots of opinions, but uh, rarely any facts. Impersonations might occur, but uh, good luck trying to figure them out. This program is not intended for kids or the easily offended. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. You press play. It's too late to stop. Get ready to podcast. All right. Welcome to another edition of Biggest Bad Boys of Podcasting. I'm DJ Impact. We got the Biggest Bad Boys here with us. And thank you for hanging out. We see a bunch of folks jumping online and we appreciate it. Make sure you throw your comments in and we will try to get it in as we see fit. You can always join us around this time for three count, around 8.50, 8.55 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, live. Make sure you just join Hey, we're here just for fun. So that's what it's all about. Throw your comments in. We love to read it and laugh while we're uh, uh, doing a show here. So welcome to Three Count. And we got three good topics for you. So we're going to get the show going, and let's do it right now. It's time. Biggest bad boys of podcasting present. One, two, three. Count talk. Count talk, baby. All right, let's get to our first one. one. And this one is from comicbook.com titled New Details on WWE Releases Reportedly Revealed. This came out on April 29th. It says that WWE has released 10 people from its NXT roster, and now a new report looks to clarify some of the realizes and bring in additional context. <laughs> For those unaware, WWE released stars Dakota Kai, Malcolm Bivens, uh, Raleen Devine, Draco Anthony, Mila Melanie, Persia Perota, Harlan, Dexter Loomis, Santana George, and Paige. Uh, what's that? Prince of All right, earlier today or earlier during the week. And according to Fightful Select, it was John Laurinaitis who made the cuts and said that the budget cuts were the reason behind them. The report says that an internal email stated, Quote, due to budgetary cuts and with immediate effect as of today, which was uh, April 29, 2022, we have come to the terms to release the following, end quote, and that all the stars released have a 30-day non-compete clause in their contract, which has been traditionally been standard for NXT stars. Now, according to reports, Bivens didn't plan on resigning Resigning last year after not being featured on TV for two years, but then the pitch was made for the Diamond Mine faction. WWE then offered a new deal this February, but Bivens made it clear he wasn't going to resign. And as of Dakota Kai, the report says that she saw the release coming and has also indicated to WWE that she wasn't planning on renewing her contract. Harlan is one of the bigger surprises on this list since he uh, came to NXT with a great deal of hype and buzz. He was used on television but never really got into the ring much and was only used as an enforcer for Joe Gacy. The report says that coaches and officials said they felt like he didn't progress enough in the ring for their liking. And on NXT official express on NXT. One NXT official expressed frustration that several current storylines and angles were now affected due to these releases, and they had little to no notice to prepare and change course. Now, Perota and Loomis have been involved in a story with Indy Hartwell and Duke Hudson, and Loomis and Hartwell's marriage storyline was one of the NXT biggest last year. Meanwhile, it was expected that Harlan will play a role in Gacy's upcoming title match against Braun Breaker, but that is all out the door as well. And Diamond Mine continues to lose people due to releases as the stable got cut in half last time around. Now it loses its manager, and while they recovered the last time, replacing someone like Bivens is going to be exceptionally difficult to do. All right. Uh, Simon Street. This was your part of your three count. What is your take on these releases? Um, I think, you know, for once, uh, you know, given this article, let's put it this way. I want to bring this article to light because I think a lot of times when WWE does release people, I think that the first thing that most people come to mind is something negative. 
you know, like, like, you know, why the hell would they do that? You know, but pretty much almost everybody on this list, and especially with the article talked about with regards to uh, Bivens, um, not re-signing and then unfortunately just that whole window period of when Diamond Mine was, you know, announced to them and stuff like that. This made sense. A lot of these cuts made sense. These are things that are logical choices, especially if you're going to do budget cuts and it comes down to this, it is. I mean, and even though like with, with like Dakota Kai, let's be real, Dakota Kai is a tremendous, tremendous uh, competitor. And the fact that she was able to make do with her time at NXT as well as she did, I think she also uh, did premiere if I'm not mistaken, on the main roster for a second. I think, you know, not that she was on there, but premiered for a second. She she made the use of her time very well. And I think that wherever she goes from here, she'll do well. I think that it was helpful that she was on NXT. But some of the other ones, like like Harlan, I mean, let's be real. Like, this article hit it the nail right on the donkey. Like, like he did nothing at all they had to build a whole storyline gimmick around him because he was doing nothing to the point that you didn't even see what he was doing half of the time so uh you know and just where nxt's going is that, with it? Is that his fault uh, could be a yes and no but the article if it is right did say that they were not seeing enough you know out of him with his time there he wasn't progressing enough and if that's the case we've seen that before mm-hmm. with fair cuts and I felt like the people who were cut, this was a fair cut. Do you see what I'm saying? Gotcha. Some of these were people I liked. And that's why I mentioned Dakota Kai, because I like Dakota Kai. But where was she going to go? Let's be real. If she had shown up on Raw, where was she going to go? If she had shown up on SmackDown, where was she going to go? You know? Let's be real. If Zia Lee didn't get to the main roster already, she could have been one of them cuts, too. And she's, no, just, she's, just wait. She's, 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 she's tremendous. And I know where you're going with it. That's not to say that she won't be in the future yeah. you see what i'm saying I, it just at the end of the day with the product that wwe is looking to do and the direction they're looking to do there's a lot of people that ain't going to make the cut it just is what it is and this is just the start That's okay it. okay um <laughs> let me ask you this let's go over to you uh sin city right quick so I, when i look at saying okay where could dakota kai go i don't see her in neither one of those places, either Raw or SmackDown, but nor do I see Aaliyah <laughs> being in one of those places. And I would say I think Dakota has shown uh, enough uh, talent that if anybody should be somewhere, it would maybe be her. And, uh, you know, granted, yes, she's the one that um, that it's that it says uh, says that she saw the release coming. And so she had indicated that to WWE that she pl- wasn't planning on. So if she didn't see the release, you know, maybe she would have stuck around if there was some plan or somewhere for her. But I'm just curious about that. What's your take? I mean, what do you think about the whole thing it, with the releases? Um, everyone's shocked at Harlan. I'm probably most shocked at Dakota. Uh, Dakota. Uh, Dakota. What's your take? So yeah, the, I I actually agree with you. Impact. Um, I I was completely. I, I shouldn't say that I was surprised with Dakota Kai. I was more more so disappointed than anything um, because it was one of those one of those situations where you know when when Hunter was running NXT, mm-hmm. uh, it was it was it became a thing where people could be NXT lifers. Um, you know, it, it was it was believed that people could stay on that brand. And, you know, if they if they didn't want to make main roster money or whatever, that they, you know, they could serve out their time in NXT and work on that brand. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was it was one of those types of situations. And now that that's no longer an option and this is, you know, it, it is going to serve a purpose as to act strictly as a developmental brand once more, I think that, you know, People that were of the old guard, you know, if there are any of them left, they're not going to be around for too much longer. Um, I think that uh, I, the, the Harlan thing was somewhat surprising. I agree. He didn't really show a whole hell of a lot in the ring. Uh, now, how much of that is, you know, on him? How much of that is on the training that he received or didn't receive? Um, it's, it's really difficult to say because none of us are there. 
Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's, you know, these, these are 10 names of 10 people that lost their jobs. Yeah. You know, whenever there's any kind of a, a budget cut or, you know, uh, a release from WWE, um, you know, we, we all get wrapped up in, oh, well, I'm no longer going to be able to see my, my favorite wrestler. You know, I really liked what this person brought to the show or, you know, this, this person could have been used a whole hell of a lot better at the end of the day. They just, they just lost their jobs, man. Yeah. Now, of course, a lot of them will be able to latch on elsewhere. Um, I, I threw out something in wrestling talk, um, Malcolm Bivens. Uh, if I'm Tony Khan, get on the phone, get him in as soon as possible. Uh, Dakota Kai, quite frankly, the same thing. Um, you know, in now, obviously, it's one of those types of situations where you're going to have to make some decisions because you've got a a uh, an overloaded talent roster to begin with. If you're AEW, mm-hmm. and now they're continuing to release more names, so you know it, it's just a cycle of things, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see what happens, man. It's we all knew that this was going to happen at some point. We just didn't know who would be involved. Matt Michaels, I mean, what what is there for anyone to do? I mean, I guess not nothing much. We <laughs> you you expect this to kind of happen, but um, you know, since City's right, these are jobs uh, that are are coming from uh, from from folks that are very talented. But nevertheless, what was your take i mean we can look at some of these and 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 rightfully say well yeah they really didn't do too much or serve too much of an, an entertainment i guess for you uh, if if harlan didn't get you going but someone maybe look at dexter loomis and say hey he was very entertaining and fun you give me your take you're giving me a lot of uh, uh weird looks over there but you give me what your take is on this whole thing no, there there's a couple things going on here um, the first thing is that um, everyone's acting like, uh, boy, they're they're releasing guys. Oh my god! Um, Dexter Loomis and Dakota Kai are the only notable names that got released that were actual wrestlers. Bivens, manager, manager spots in this industry now. It's hard. Yeah. So unless you're Paul Heyman, you know you could be gone within hey you can go shoot uh uh you know a series for uh a cable company and uh then claim the owner of the company never told you you were fired so that's the whole thing with managers now right shit happens they're not really looked at but what's what's fascinating about this is that and chris gale's comment here how much blame goes on the writers none because that list, except for Dakota Kai and Loomis, that list were all people who were in the active training process. So they're not progressing to the point where they're worth their contracts. That's what this is. If it would have been fucking, uh, you know, the, the, the big names, if they, if they took Braun Strowman and, you know, the, the guys that they are not Braun Strowman, but Braun Breaker um, and the guys that they just built up and then all of a sudden let those guys just go right now, then that's head scratching. But this it's people who, who, you know, are in training. And I'll tell you right now, you all said it. Harlan was not doing anything and it wasn't the writing. It was the fact that he couldn't get into the ring. That shows you how bad he was progressing. And you know what's going to happen? They're going to have more of these because this is what NXT is. Everyone fucking forgets now this is a developmental show. All right? They are putting guys out there, not with the top talent like AEW does because they don't have the developmental, right? So Jade has to wrestle someone like Britt Baker, and she's going to look bad because she's not at the same fucking level but in nxt if you put them on camera one you're getting a look at them right so a lot of the people who job out on nxt that's all it is is they're getting the looks to see if this person is progressing when they're on tv but other than that i don't know who half these names were without having to fucking look up who some of these people are so that says a lot man and the thing is is that 
Steve made a very good point. AEW is in a backlog now. So let's be real. For all of the people who bitched and fucking complained that, oh my God, Vince McMahon is hoarding all these wrestlers. What else would have happened? At least they got paid for the past three years, you know? Otherwise, AEW would have been in the same fucking boat and those guys wouldn't have been able to fucking work anyway. So the the idea is, is that, yeah, there's two major companies now, but you also have to realize there are way more wrestlers in this world today than there ever have been. So you're going to see people getting cut all the time, especially when NXT is doing something different, which is taking non-wrestlers and training them to be wrestlers. And that adds a whole nother line to this. So in the end, unless you are spectacular, unless you are fucking Austin Theory, where you're going, yeah, that guy's got something here. It's a backlog, man. It's hard to be a pro wrestler now. Wow. Facts. <laughs> All right. Thanks for that. We're going to jump right into our second count. So let's get right to that. And this one is from CagesideSeats.com titled AEW's future is uncertain with Warner Media making hundreds of millions of dollars in budget cuts. Seemed like they go that uh that term budget cuts again. <laughs> All right, so this is how it reads. The merger between Warner Media and Discovery has created some uncertainty regarding AEW's future. On the latest edition of Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer indicated that it that the significant budget cuts related to the merger could have it a lot harder for AEW to negotiate an increase in their TV rights money when their current tele- television deal expires. This is what he says. Warner Brother Discovery is going to be eliminating new scripted programming. They're going to cut some of the scripted shows, some of the ones that are around they'll renew, but they will not be making new ones apparently. So when these shows die off, the ones that are around, in theory, there will be no more scripted programming on TBS and TNT. As far as what it means for AEW, when you're talking about a company looking at making hundreds of millions of dollars in budget cuts, the un- another company partner that's looking for a substantial rate increase on what they are getting on a new contract, which would be in 2024, you can do the math. End quote. Now, television rights money is a big concern for AEW for obvious reasons, but could the doomsday scenario of cancellation even be on the table? Meltzer says anything is possible with the new management overseeing things. Quote, it's really too early to tell anything for sure. You just don't know, just don't know the new people involved. You don't know what their feelings are about wrestling. I mean, anything's possible, but I don't think that they would cancel it. But the key is it's still a, a rights increase, and then you're, talking about a company that's trying to cut way back. So those two things are contradictory and end quote to conclude AEW is bringing in about $45 million per year on their current television deal. The roster is beyond loaded and WWE will likely be able to sign away some of their top stars. If AEW doesn't land a big increase on their TV rights money on the next contract, the key period for negotiations will be around the end of 2022 towards the middle of 2023. AEW president Tony Khan gushes every week about how great things, how great their television ratings are. I guess we'll find out just how viable those numbers truly end up being, assuming there isn't a decline by the end of the year. All right. Sin City, Steve, this was your article. What was your take? All right. So Kane A. Knight clearly getting paid per word. And uh, this guy (laughs) threw a shitload of hyperbole into this article. Uh, AEW's future is uncertain with Warner Media making hundreds of millions of dollars in budget cuts. It's almost like as if he's saying that if they lose a TV rights deal or if they have to go to another network, that AEW is going to go under, which will not happen. It's not going to happen at all. Now, realistically speaking, One thing that would be smart for Tony Khan to do would be, uh, and we've talked about it, uh, is to secure some sort of a streaming deal. 
Now, of course, uh, HBO Now has been talked about. That is part of Warner Media, so that's one thing to to kind of keep an eye on. Um, if they're going to choose to shift how you know how things are done and you know use HBO Now as opposed to having the shows on TNT or TBS, which quite frankly, I think would be a big problem. Um, also, realistically speaking, it's three hours of programming out of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there are numerous, numerous shows that they could axe that are not getting them the ratings, not to mention the key demographic penetration that AEW is getting them. Um, yeah. And, uh, so it's, it's one of those things, man. It's, I, I, I don't necessarily think that AEW is in danger, even if they don't get the most optimal TV rights deal. Um, keep in mind, you know, the, the cons are funding this at the end of the day. So if they do get an unfavorable TV deal, I don't necessarily think that it's going to be the end of the road for AEW. Um, I think that that was, you know, one reason why I wanted to get this article mentioned is just because of this narrative that's being established that, um, you know, it, with the TV rights deal Mm -hmm. going haywire, if it goes sideways, that it's going to be the end for AEW. No, AEW is going to be fine. AEW will be fine for quite some time. Um, and realistically, it's irresponsible reporting mm. uh, by Kane A. Knight to insinuate otherwise. No doubt. Let me uh, go over to you, Mr. Matt Michaels. I'm just curious. I mean, is there anything here? I mean, Warner Media, I guess when the merger finally went through, you had uh, CNN Plus was just immediately gone bye-bye and that was a big deal they pushed that they promoted that i think it was a, a three if i'm not mistaken maybe a 350 million dollar deal that before it you know that before the transition happened it was a pretty lump sum amount but so many things possible is what i'm saying what is your take knowing i mean we don't know what to expect from warner media you know Ooh, do they like wrestling do they not you know i mean should aw feel that there should be some concerns here or not worry about anything i mean they're bringing 45 million a year so you you have a couple different things that um and, and one of the bad things about the way that this was written and steve is right that's a lot of hyperbole yeah put in their actual facts one of the biggest things was the cnn um the acts on cnn plus now it's not that it was cnn plus uh you know in the long run getting axed um they're only averaging i think like ten thousand views a day it was a baby, you know, it, it, it really did. It was like, you know, just chopping the legs off right away. And it, right. But they couldn't stop the rollout of CNN Plus because they were afraid if they were to have projected that they were going to kill it, then they would have been held um, for tampering mm. and the deal wouldn't have gone through. So they had a discovery had to back off. So the the thing here is that CNN Plus was set to be a billion dollars for uh, over four years is what they were going to spend on it. Mm. So they wow. just saved a billion. When they merged, as soon as the merger happened, the, conglom- the conglomerate is now owing approximately $55 billion dollars. So they are now starting in debt by basically eleven billion more dollars than Elon Musk just bought Twitter for. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so this is where I go. Listen, um, it's not necessarily a lock that AEW is safe in terms of TV. Now, I'm going to tell you right now. This shows you. Steve was referring to it as uh hbo plus or something like that it's branded as hbo max yeah hbo max right so even with that like that's something that just shows you that it it's not um it's not fully been 
kind of put into our souls yet that this is something, right? It, you're still getting used to HBO Max as a brand. And now with everything merging together, the problem becomes Discovery saw CNN Plus as a niche. Mm-hmm. Wrestling is viewed as a niche. So would you put a wrestling plot product on what is most likely going to be a merger of discovery plus and HBO max. Mm. It, you know what I'm saying? Like it, now it's, it, it gets a little way more complicated mm-hmm. now to make it even more complicated. The deal that AEW signed, what's the one thing that they got going for them? Warner is picking up all production costs. Mm. They're $55 billion in debt now. <laughs> that means that there's going to be a lot of hard looking in terms of if it needs to get restructured, if it's still viable for, for them. That's the difference between, yeah, a lot of their shows don't do shit, but a lot of their shows are, are just fucking reruns. It's, it's syndicated bullshit and movies that they own. And that's all that shit they already own from their catalog. So the big thing here is this is an original production for them because of the production value. They're not just buying the AEW product to put on the service. That's going to be very complicated, especially if the executives are not high on a wrestling product. And that could be anyone, right? We have no idea. Um, When Eric Bischoff talked about this, WCW and AEW, totally different totally fucking different because turner owned wcw so whatever they wanted to do that was that con owns AEW. so if warners does cut it loose AEW can go somewhere else that's totally fine but the question is are they going to have to start producing their own product now and if that starts happening then guess what that seven hundred to nine hundred thousand that you do on average is not going to be enough to sustain it. And we could say, yeah, they're billionaires, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, that's true. But at some point, billionaires go, you know what? I got to make a return on my fucking money now mm-hmm. because that's how they become and stay billionaires. <laughs> and right. if you look at the only reason that they still have the Jags is because it's still generating them enough product uh, or money on the product because it's the NFL. You look at a silver fucking bullet would have to take the NFL out, right? It's it's almost impossible to lose money on that. And even if you do lose money, there's revenue sharing. Right. So there's a lot. There's a lot. But the main issue is that this idiot didn't fucking go into anything other than, oh boy, panic. <laughs> They don't have to panic. They got time, but they have to have a plan. Yeah. And this is where we see if Tony Khan knows what the fuck he's doing. All right. Uh, Simon Street, what's your take, man? You've heard a lot here. Maybe read the article. Are you are you concerned about uh, what you've read here? Uh, not too much concern. I mean, it sounds like the general consensus as far as with regards to AEW being OK. I think they'll be OK. I think they got enough money backing with the cons to where they'll figure out something worst case scenario. But I think what the bigger picture that we are starting to look at is uh, the era of streaming. I think a lot of TV companies uh, are starting to look at this is what the new era will be. You know, uh, and it's going to be a lot of redundancy. I'll be honest with you. We're going to start seeing a lot of the same what you're looking at now. I mean, shit, look at uh, the hell of a week Netflix just had. Do you see what I'm saying? That is going to be the regular headache, and you want to make moves as far as if your HBO uh, Max uh, is it HBO Max or, or is it H- yeah HBO Max. And the bad thing is I have that subscription. But even my point is, is you want to now formulate preparing your business into the new era of what television will look like, and that is through streaming. So you want to be able to have mainstays on your products, such as like I said, with what we're talking about in this article with um, AEW possibly. You know, go, you know, at some point moving on to a different streaming service, you're going to need something or you're going to start having headaches like Netflix. And Netflix is having a headache now because if you think about it, they were a pioneer in the streaming service. So if you're smart business one on one, you're going to look at whoever your first trailblazer was in this business and look at the headaches they're having. And this is the same headaches you're going to have 
when you start getting into the business. And as we all know, television as far as cable TV is dead. Even cable TV themselves, Cox Communications, has their own streaming device and almost will look towards having streaming uh, partnerships as well. So that's kind of my take on this whole article is, you know, they just smell of what's in the water. We we'll, we'll have to look and see what happens down the road. It's just it's a fun time. Yeah. Fun time for anybody to want to spend tons of money on on uh, streaming subscriptions that used to start off as one. Now I got three or four of them. Now I'm thinking about doing budget cuts and figure out who I'm going to cut based on what they got. <laughs> Halo season about to end. Paramount better come up with some shit. About to cut your ass. So. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Let's go over into our count three. Three. All right. And this one is titled WWE set to make big changes to premium live events. And this is from Sports Kita. It reads that WWE premium live events are going to get a lot bigger in 2023. Throughout 2022, the company will have a total of eight events inside stadiums all over the world. But next year, the promotion intends to take these shows to the next level. According to Andrew Zarian of the Matt Men podcast, WWE intends to run more stadium events in 2023. In the tweet, Zarian went into details about this information. He noted that the company wants to make these large events, quote, the new norm. Uh, he says that a source over at WWE mentioned that WWE intends to run more stadium shows uh, forward into 2023. Just for reference, 2022 has eight stadium events, and the goal is to make this the new norm. This is a Nick Khan approach when it comes to premium live events, is what Andrew Zarian had tweeted. And that was the end of the quote for that. So will WWE be able to fill additional stadium uh, shows in 2023? The report has led to numerous questions about why the company would choose to run more stadium shows when they are currently having trouble filling them. While WrestleMania 32 at AT&T Stadium packed in over 100,000 fans at the venue in Dallas, their return to the same stadium earlier this month didn't get close to that on either night. But Zarian went on to explain that large stadium events are beneficial to the company because even if the show don't sell out, it will lead to higher revenue. This is what he says. The scalability of large goals is very beneficial when it comes to having live attendance over 15K. The event doesn't have to sell out of 15K plus, but now you have room to do 20 to 35K shows more often, leading to much higher revenue and higher levels of excitement for event. And that's what Andrew Zarian tweeted. All right. So, Matt Michaels, what was your take? This was your article. Well, it's really interesting because um, what I think that wrestling fans um, have gotten um, kind of grained into their heads is um, the idea of the Monday Night Wars, right? That whole thing has just kind of thrown everything else askew. The truth of the matter is, is that Nick Khan comes from a sports industry background. And what Nick saw is actually surprising that Vince never saw. And that is this. A baseball season has 81 home games, right? So does uh, uh, basketball. So does uh, football. You know, they have uh, a half, half of their rosters home games. So, you know, uh, some uh, 34. 536 games at home. So here's the thing. Look at Major League Baseball right now. Mm -hmm. Season just started. Look at Oakland, who might move to Las Vegas because of attendance. Yeah. Right now, they're averaging 7,000 people a game. Wow. I didn't know it was that bad. (laughs) Yeah, the aviators are outdrawing them. Yes, they're minor they league ball club. Yeah. yeah, their minor league ball club is outdrawing them. So, here's the brilliance of what Nick Khan saw: pay per views, or now premium events. Good rebranding. Twelve, right? One each month, let's say. Um, and maybe minus one for Saudi Arabia, and maybe minus another one for possibly the uk right if they start doing european shows so let's say anywhere between you know uh eight to ten in the united states that's it 
So they draw instead of a um, arena which holds eighteen thousand, right? Now you expand it to a stadium. The stadium is going to take the deal because it's fucking revenue. It's going to be coming in. And all he has to do to make this work is sell more than 20,000 tickets, essentially. Because your pay-per-view would have been in a building holding less than 20,000 people. That's brilliant. That's fucking smart. And guess what? They're still not doing house shows, essentially. They're doing some, yeah. but it's a small integration. And your regular um, your regular shows then for SmackDown and Raw actually can be possibly put into even smaller stadiums. You know, hey, draw 7,000 and, and make that a full house. Because the way the camera shoots, you're, you know, if you're blanketing off stuff anyway draw the small and you know what every fucking reporter out there who is a quote-unquote a journalist for wrestling is going to say the same thing oh well they couldn't draw those arenas so therefore they're going with something no it's a new way of thinking about things because you have a guy who was a sports marketing guy yeah running the fucking operation around the money and that's that's it. That's the biggest difference now. Yeah. So actually, this makes a lot more fucking sense than just kind of treading along. And the other thing you know right now is that your competition, no matter what it is, unless it's New Japan in Japan, they're not going to be selling out more, you know, stadiums. They're not going to be able to do that. Yeah. So it's a smart way to fucking say, hey, we'll take it. And we all went, why the fuck are they running money in the bank at fucking Allegiant Stadium? Because it's the first one that it's yep. going to get this, this going. And they found out that they could do this because they did it at Vegas with SummerSlam. And they realized, hey, we could get a good deal from the facility. And the fans, even though it might not be 60000 if we get 25, 20 to 25,000 in there, we're fucking making our money. Yeah. These guys are actually smarter than we give them credit for. And not only that, the, what's also pretty smart is that they don't, they, they create a setup that doesn't even allow to use the entire stadium. So, right. you yeah. know, that's right. the reason why. And I know we know, we know. Uh, an individual who gets very uh, disappointed from not having their pyro, but you know that's kind of the reason why we didn't have, you know, didn't have that because of the more smaller setup that they had for that particular uh, uh, facility. Um, and it was interesting just looking at the seats. You're going, wow, they're not even. <laughs> you're thinking like they're not even using like you know sixty percent, you know, of the stadium. Yeah. But it's in there, and uh, but it still looks great when you're there. It looks really awesome on TV because mm -hmm. it it does have that media like feel. So it is smart for them. Um, let me go over and the, the other and the other uh -huh. thing really quick too that you got to remember too. We're still coming out of a pandemic, so that idea yeah. that. WrestleMania didn't, you know, sell the same as it did, you know, six years ago. Well, yeah, we're coming out of pandemic. And by the way, prices on shit are a lot more expensive than it was six years ago. Fuck you. Yeah, and so, by the way, it was two fucking nights. <laughs> Ridiculous. Okay. Simon Street, what's your take on let's, this? Let's, just, let's keep let's keep a tie a, a, a tally of every time that you bitch about two night WrestleMania. <laughs> And then show. and then tape every one of those so when his ass next WrestleMania is doing the two nights, we play it back. Yep. There you go. All right. It's gonna happen. Yeah, we we could probably play that for two straight nights. Yeah. Without a break. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Whatever. Uh so yeah, so pretty much my take, you know, as I was reading this article, I went and looked up not that I really needed to, but I felt just to paint a picture in my mind because uh what Matt Michaels was alluding to is, is smart, and that's what you want to do, right? Um, I think the, the, the phrase is uh, uh, under promise over deliver, right? It's almost to that de de degree, right? If you're in a bigger building, you look at the percentage of how much you're going to fill and you're going to get a whole lot more than if you almost capsize something with a, with, a, with a certain cap. But anyways, I started looking at some of these stadiums, man, like the top 
10 stadiums in the United States, right? Capacity, 107,000. I'm just going to average them, right? That's Michigan Stadium, right? Beaver Stadium, right? Uh, University Park, 106. Ohio Stadium, 102,000. Kyle Field, 102,000. Uh, Neyland Stadium, 102,000. Tiger Stadium, 102. Uh, Daryl K. Royal, Texas Memorial Stadium, 100,000. Bryant Denny Stadium, 100,000. Stanford, 95. Cotton Bowl, 92. Rose Bowl, 90,000. Ben Hill Griffin Stadium, 88. Jordan, 87, right? Memorial Stadium, 86. Only reason why I'm naming them because it is a bit ridiculous. No, because the only reason I think is because that, that science makes sense, right? So as you were saying, that's a huge chunk of change. And you ain't even utilizing the whole thing. So that makes sense, 100%. Now, the big question for me that I have is when you talk about premium events, you're talking about stacking your deck. And that's something that's going to be a little bit tricky sometimes, right? And that's where it kind of goes down to the small little things that we kind of bitch and complain about, even though we don't know what we're talking about all the time. But they can add up if they don't start checking them, right? One thing that I want to bring and hearken to that WWE was able to get lucky with which happened at SummerSlam, right? With the whole matchup that was originally supposed to be between, uh, was it not Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks, right? Sasha Banks was out. You're not always going to be in a position like that to switch up your card. Obviously, it played into their favor, right? They had Becky Lynch, whatever. Do you get what I'm saying? We know that wasn't a part of the plan maybe a month ago. Let's put it that way. That's something that I wonder sometimes going in as you talk about stacking your deck for premium events, right? Because that's, to me, is part of the equation. You make sure that that shit is hit and make sure you have contingency plans on backups. You'd be straight. You'd be straight because at the end of the day, you know, although I may not be attending money in the bank, I am considering at the last minute, maybe if I were to. But at first, I wasn't even going to consider it because of the fact, hey, Last time we went to Money in the Bank, we lived in Vegas. It was at T-Mobile Arena. Nothing against T-Mobile Arena. It was a great event and everything. But that much bigger out of Money in the Bank in the stadium is a definite different look. So, like I said, I think it would be interesting. You hit something, on too, on the, the idea of having backups. Honestly, the real thing here is that you're going to have less fan, um, you know, distaste or, or dislike for the event because of the fact that when you have a bigger stadium, guess what you can do? Cheaper seats. This is true. It's very, very true. It's yeah. hundred fucking percent. Because I guarantee you right now, if I were to buy a last minute ticket, which may be the case for money in the bank, I'm cool with a cheaper ticket just to kind of be there. Right. Versus the fact that if you was the first one running up, get the ticket, you're probably looking at 300, $400 tickets. And that's a decent seat. Even more seats are probably be seven. And the reason why I say this, because I'm looking at, Double or nothing, right? That's going to be T-Mobile Arena, if I'm not mistaken. You're looking at seats right now. The bottom of the floor, we're talking about, what, almost 7,000, 5,000 for what I saw? And then going up in just the mid-seat parts, right, uh, 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 are like, what, anywhere from like 500 to 300? But it would have been different if it had been in Allegiant Stadium. I feel like something like that, you could have got a decent seat for probably 150 maybe. You know what I mean? Possibly. Yeah. All right, let me go over to you, Sin City. Uh, what's your take on premium events? So I think that ultimately, yes. Um, you know, it it seems like as if all of us are in favor of this. So I I I think that you know now that we're coming out of the pandemic and now that that you know we're largely but largely you know separating ourselves from that. Um, I think that it's it's a very very smart move. I think that WWE is min maxing. I worst case scenario, they're gonna be able to you know to hype up an event, make it seem like it's a premium event, and actually treat it like it's a premium event. Because keep this in mind, how many times have we gone to see a show um, and it's a pay per view, and then the very next night is raw and it's in the same fucking building now you may or may not have any sort of um kind of emotional attachment to that pay-per-view or you know pre premium live event um but ultimately i think that it there is something to be said about going to a football stadium or a large venue to see a show even if they tarp off 40 percent of the venue 
then, you know, if they have 60% available for seating, then again, TV cameras aren't going to pick that up because they're going to shoot it in a way to where it's not going to be picked up. The ticket prices are going to be cheaper. That, that was something that was hit on. Um, the other thing that is spot on is even if they don't get 50K, even if they don't get 50,000 people in the building, they have the availability to get 50,000 in the building, as opposed to, you know, if you, if you book a building that has 15,000 capacity and you sell it out, you have to turn people away at the door. So you are literally throwing money away. If, if the building rent is even anywhere near comparable between those buildings, or if your ROI is going to be better then it makes sense to book the biggest building possible that you think will look good on TV as opposed to booking a tiny matchbox type of a venue that you can say, Oh, well, we sold out this venue. Okay, great. What was the capacity? Uh, 2000. What? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it spot on, uh, bring on the, I, I, I like the number that you threw out there, Michaels as well. Um, if they have 10 a year, uh, stateside, one in Saudi, and then one do one pay-per-view in Europe a year. Why not? Um, now we, we all know that they're not going to do a mania in Europe, but, um, yeah, if, if you do one Saudi show, one European show, um, and then, you know, the, the 10 shows here, here in the States, um, yeah, you're not, you're not going to run into burnout territory with the fans. Yeah. And, I got and I, oh. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Simon. Well, well, I was going to ask one question is, as we're talking about a lot of these, uh, you know, bigger stadiums, right. Where we're going to have these premium events. You know, I think about a lot of these old, uh, you know, stadiums we used to go to all the time. You know, one thing that one name that pops up is Madison square garden sitting at 20,000 capacity. What happens to them? The hollowed halls. Do you see what I'm saying? Where does, where, where does that happen? Are we seeing the change? Because I'm sure WWE is not going to be the only type of people looking at this. You guarantee if this is a successful equation, you're going to see concerts, which you're already seeing now, but as yep. a mainstay, shoot over to stadium only. What is that going to be for a lot of people? Is it, I'm just curious that, as a question. It's a bad comparison because okay. don't forget the Rolling Stones, for instance, mm-hmm. they've run for fucking 50 plus years, almost 60 mm-hmm. years small fucking bar shows where they don't announce it until fucking 6 p.m. that night and there's 5,000 people waiting to get into a 100 you know seat bar they've done stadium shows over 100,000 and they've done the uh the arena shows okay i think what you're going to see though is wrestling taking a cue from that that's what you're looking at okay smart and you're also going to remember one thing. They already ran a baseball stadium in Arizona. So now you're going to have them using baseball stadiums and football stadiums. Bingo. Yeah. Which smart. is going to be easy for them to do. And, um, you know, the, and the, the football fire... stadiums are yeah. actually a baseball stadium layout. It's true because that, that was what SummerSlam was. SummerSlam yeah. was a baseball mm-hmm. stadium layout. Yeah. So. So you're going to, I mean, you're going to have them doing this with that type of idea that you can, you know, you, you have accessible buildings year round and now it's, it's using them. And also um, the other good thing is you in a bigger setting like that, when you're talking about if you're in an arena and when you brought up AEW, the reason those prices are so high is because it's a smaller arena mm-hmm. and the demand is theoretically there for the secondary market to eat up all those tickets. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a harder time for a secondary market to eat up all these exactly. stadium tickets. And guess what you are doing? You are giving the opportunity for a kid who has never seen a wrestling show in person to go to a stadium for their first True. event. It's not WrestleMania anymore. It's yeah. a fucking, you know, backlash in fucking Foxborough. Um, you know, all of a sudden you're making new fans who want to be fans for life because yeah, they from got the experience. experience. Yeah, you're right. 100%. Good stuff, guys. 
That is our three count. Thank everybody for hanging out with us for this show. Let's give our final uh, shout outs for the week. And we always kick that off with uh, you, Simon Street. What you want to tell the good people out there? Everybody be kind to one another. And uh, like I said, the summer months are coming up. So uh, if you are in a uh, place that has high summer months, just try to have that just just that much more patience. And if you're not, be thankful that you're not in a hot ass climate. And uh, still have that same amount of patience. But other than that, everybody be kind to everybody and uh, keep it moving. All right. Sin City Steve. Thank you guys for hanging out with us tonight. Thank you for liking, sharing, subscribing, all the comments in the chat. We definitely appreciate each and every single one of you guys. Thank you so much. Um, also, very special shout out to all the brave men and women serving this country, whether you're on lands foreign or domestic. We appreciate you doing what you do so that we can do what we love to do. Thank you. Last but not least, repsports.com, R-E-P-P sports.com. Go there for all of your pre-workout, weight loss, and general energy needs. Again, that's repsports.com. Use promo code Vegas at checkout and save yourself 15%. Perfect. I forgot your uh... – oh, there it is. Hey, <laughs> it showed up. Okay. All right, Matt Michaels. You know, a lot of times, uh, you know, we get sad news, and um, this one is just – you know, I I know this is going to affect uh, out of all of us, DJ, the most. Um, we learned this week that Josie Ann Offerman is um, is getting married to Wyndham Rotundo. So JoJo is off the market, DJ. I am so sorry to say that. I mean, I know how much it, it eats at you. I moved but- on to Kayla. So about Kayla, mm. I, I don't want to break your heart on uh, on air, but uh, oh. okay. But uh, Wendy Chu still available, brother. So ah. <laughs> didn't she get married? Wendy Chu got married. No, no, you're thinking of Lisa. Lisa. Oh, Lisa Chu. Okay, I thought it was Winnie Chu got married, but hey, you never know. They all dropping like flies. All, all, all the Impact's top fives are gone. They all gone. They all getting married. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> all right, y'all. Thanks for hanging out, and uh, we'll see you next time. Happy wrestling. Peace. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting.